Section 10 of The Pastor's Wife by Elizabeth Varnanim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 10. It was the absence of pauses that beat her. She came to be, as the German phrase put it, in a continual condition of being blessed. She came to be also continually more bloodless, gradually sinking away more and more from energy, as one child after the other sapped her up. She left off reading, dropping the more difficult things first. The Hibbert Journal went almost at once. Soon the Times was looked at languidly and not opened. The National Review gave her an earache. Presently she was too far gone even for the spectator. The clarion lasted longest, but a growing distaste for its tone caused it finally to be abandoned, for she was becoming definitely religious. She was ceasing to criticize or to ask why. She would sit for hours contemplating the beauty of acquiescence. It gave her a boneless satisfaction. The more anemic she grew, the easier religion seemed to be. It was much the least difficult thing to be passive, to yield, not to think, not to decide, never to want explanations. And everybody praised her. How nice that was! Baroness Glambeck approved. Frau Dosch approved loudly. The elder Frau Dremmel came out each year twice and silently approved of a mother whose offspring was so strikingly like herself. While as for Kokensee, it regarded her with the respect due to a person becoming proverbial. It is true Robert seemed to love her rather less than more, in spite of her obviously deserving to be loved more than ever now that she was at one with him about providence. Yet it was hardly fair to say that either, for nobody could be kinder than he was when he was not busy. He was busy from morning to night. How nice that was, she thought. Her hands folded. She had always thought it nice to be busy. Of her six children, Robert Lett flourished, and so did the sister who came after him. The next two died one doing it boldly of mumps, a thing that had never been achieved before, and greatly interested the doctor, who predicted a memorable future for him if he had been going to have one, and the other, more explicably, by falling out of the punt when his very existence depended on his keeping in it. Then they took to being born dead. Two of them in succession did this and it was after the second had done it that Ingeborg reached her lowest ebb of vitality, and could hardly be got to say a sentence that did not include heaven. When she had been up and dressed two months, and still lay about on sofas being religious, Herr Dremmel, who was patient but slowly becoming conscious that there was an atmosphere of chapelle ardent about his parlour on his coming into it with the innocent briskness of a good man to his supper thought perhaps the muc doctor who by now was a familiar feature in his life had better come over and advise and so it was that ingeborg went to zopat that bracing and beautiful seaside resort near danzig leaving her home for the first time since her marriage going indeed with as much unwillingness as so willless a person could possess but sent off regardless of her moist opposition by the doctor who would not even allow her to take robertlet and ditty with her she went in the care of the nurse who had helped her after robertlet's birth and she was to stay there all June and all July and all August and September as well, if necessary. But what will they do without me? she kept on feebly asking. And my duties, how can I leave everything? 
tears poured down her face at her departure she gave keepsakes to both the servants she sent for the sexton with whom she had latterly grown friendly and tried to speak but could not she folded the impassive robertlet and ditty to her heart so many times that they were stirred to something almost approaching activity and resistance your prayers you won't forget what mummy taught you she wept as though she were taking leave of them forever dear robert she sobbed clinging to him with her cheek against his on the platform at muck where he saw her off do forgive me if i've been a bad wife to you i have tried you won't forget will you ever that i did try the nurse gave her a spoonful of brand's meat jelly the journey was a journey of jelly combating grief all the way each relapse into woe was instantly interrupted by jelly and it was not till the evening when they reached the little pension on the sands which was to be their home for two months and ingeborg going to the open window gave a quick cry as the full freshness and saltness and heaving glancing beauty burst upon her that the nurse threw the rest of the tin away and put her trust altogether in the sea herr dremmel returned to his wifeless home in a meditative frame of mind as he jolted along in the same carriage only grown more shaky in which he had brought his bride back seven years before he indulged first in a brief wonder at the ups and downs of women from this he passed to a consideration of the superior reliability of chemicals from this again he proceeded to reflect that nevertheless a man's life should be decorated at the edges and that the most satisfactory decoration was a wife and a family ingeborg in spite of her ups and downs had been a good wife to him and he did not regret having attached her to his edges but then he also had done his part and been a good husband to her few marriages he thought could have been so harmonious and successful as theirs he loved her as an honest man should love his wife at judicious intervals always he had affection for her and liked being with her when she was feeling well her money every wife should have a little had helped him much indeed had made most of the successes that had rewarded his labours possible and she had given him a child each year which was he was aware the maximum output and rendered him civically satisfactory that these children should four of them not have succeeded in staying alive and that the two who had should bear so striking a resemblance to his mother a person he knew for unintelligent were misfortunes but one did not dwell on misfortunes one turned one's back on them and went away and worked the central fact of life its core of splendour he said to himself as arrived at home he hung up his hat in the passage and prepared to plunge with renewed appetite into his laboratory was work but he added as he passed the open door of the sitting-room and was reminded by its untidiness of domesticities since one had to withdraw occasionally from the heat of that great middle light and refresh oneself in something cooler one needed a place of relaxation where the interest was more attenuated a ring of relative tepidity round the bright centre of one's life and this ring was excellently supplied by the object commonly called the family circle the harder he worked the more hotly he pursued knowledge the more urgent was a man's need for intervals of tepidity one sought out one's little wife 
and rested one's brain one took one's son on one's knee one pulled perhaps the plate of one's daughter life for herr dremmel was both great and simple during the seven years of his marriage it had become continually more so there were times he could remember previous to that event when he had lost sight of this truth in a confused hankering periods during which he had hankered persistently moments that astonished him afterwards to call to mind when the lilacs being out in the garden and the young corn of the fields a sprout in the warm spring sun his laboratory that place of hopes and divisions had incredibly appeared to him to be mere bones marriage had banished these distortions of perception and he had lived seven years in the full magnificent consciousness of the greatness and simplicity of life he was armoured by his singleness of purpose he never came out of his armour and was petty not once while ingeborg in a distant corner of the house was fearing that she had hurt him or offended him or had made him think she did not love him had he been hurt or offended or thinking anything of the sort he was absorbed in great things great interest great values there was no room in his thoughts for meditations on minor concerns the days were not wide enough for the bigness they had to hold and it never would have occurred to him to devote any portion of their already limited space to inquiring if he had been hurt his interested eyes carefully examining and comparing and criticizing phenomena had no time for introspection as the years passed and successes followed upon his patience his absorption and subjugation by his work became increasingly profound for a man has but a handful of years and cannot during that brief span live too inquisitively herr dremmel was wringing more out of nature who only asks to be forced to tell each year he was accumulating experiences and knowledge of an interest and value so great that everything else was trivial beside them the passing day was forgotten the interest of the day that was to come the future was what his brain was perpetually concerned with and an eye ranging with growing keenness over a growingly splendid and detailed vision cannot observe it would be an interruption a waste to observe the fluctuations in the moods of for instance a family or a parish wives children and parishes are adornments obligations and means of livelihood they are what a man has as well but only as well herr dremmel during these years had trained his parish to be unobtrusive in return for his own unobtrusiveness and in spite of occasional restiveness on the part of baron glambeck who continued from time to time on the ground that the parish was becoming heathen and displaying the smug contentment characteristic of that condition to endeavour to persuade the authorities to remove him somewhere else was more firmly established than ever in the heart of a flock that only wanted to be left alone and as for his wife and children he regarded them benevolently as the necessary foundation of his existence the airy cellars that kept the fabric above sweet and dry like cellars one had to have them and one was glad when they were good but one did not live in them as a wise man who wished to do fine work before being overtaken by the incapacitations of death he had contrived his life so that it should contain enough love to make him able to forget love it is not he had come to know very well since his marriage by doing without but by having that one can clear one's mind of wanting and it is only the cleared mind that can achieve anything at all in the great work of helping the world to move more quickly on its journey towards the light 
for some weeks after ingeborg's departure he was immensely unaware of her absence it was june that crowded month for him who has experimental fields and small discomforts at home such as ill-served unpunctual meals and rooms growing steadily less dusted at no time attracted his notice he would come out of his laboratory after a good morning's work in much the same spirit with which the bridegroom issuing from his chamber a person details cannot touch is filled and would eat contentedly any food he found lying about and be off to his fields almost before robertlet and ditty had done struggling with their bibs and saying their preliminary grace the children however took no advantage of this being left to themselves robertlet did not turn on ditty and seize her dinner because she was a girl ditty did not conceal more than her share of pudding in her pocket for comfort during the empty afternoon hours they sat in silence working through the meal using their knives to eat with instead of their forks for knives rather than forks were in their blood and unmoved by the way in which bits they had carefully stalked round and round their plates ended by tumbling over the edge onto the tablecloth they were patient children and when that happened they made no comment but dropping their knives also on the tablecloth picked up the bits in their fingers and ate them at the end ditty said the closing grace as her mother had taught her robertlet having officiated at the opening one and they both stood behind their chairs with their eyes shut while she expressed gratitude in german to the dear saviour who had had the friendliness to be their guest on that occasion and having reached the amen in which robertlet joined they did not fall upon each other and fight as other unshepherded children filled with meat and pudding might have done but left the room in a sober file and went to the kitchen and requested the servant rosa who was the one who would have been their nurse if they had had one to accompany them to their bedroom and see that they cleaned their teeth they spent the afternoons in not being naughty herr dremmel accordingly because of this health and sobriety in his children and his own indifference to his comfort had no domestic worries such as engulf other men whose wives are away to disturb him and it was not till july was drawing to a close and a long drought forced leisure upon him that ingeborg's image began to obtrude itself through the chinks of his work at first he thought of her as a mother as somebody heavy continually recovering from or preparing for illness but presently he began to think of her as a wife as his wife as his proper complement and relaxation from all this toil shut up in a dull laboratory she seemed to grow brighter and lighter thought of like that and by the time he received a letter asking if she might stay away another fortnight to complete what was being a thorough cure she was so brightly in his mind that he felt extremely disappointed he wrote giving the permission she asked and made the discovery that his house looked empty and that a fortnight was long he paced the garden in the hot evenings smoking beneath the lime-trees where he and she at the beginning used so gaily to breakfast and forgot how slow of movement and mind she had been for several years how little he had really seen of her how more and more his attitude towards her had been one of patience and when he went in to his supper which he suddenly did not like and criticized what he found himself looking for was not the figure he had been used to find lying silent on the sofa but the quick light 
flitting thing that laughed and pulled his ears the ingeborg of the beginning his little sheep on the day she came home although it was the very height of harvesting and the first samples of the year's grain lay on his table waiting to be examined he gave up the afternoon to driving in to Muck to meet her and waited on the platform with an impatient expectancy he had not felt for years it is not good for man to live alone were his first words as he embraced her largely in the door of the railway carriage while the porter in a fever to get out the hand luggage and run and attend to other passengers had to wait till he had done little sheep how could you stay away so long from the old shepherd she was looking very well he thought sunburnt and with many new freckles rounder quite young a sweet little wife for a long solitary husband to have coming home to him he lifted her proudly into the carriage and drove through muck with his arm round her waving the other one at the doctor who rallied past them in his own high shaky vehicle and shouting cured the doctor however seemed surprised at seeing ingeborg and did not smile back but looked inscrutably at them both she asked about the welfare of the children and whether their ears had been properly washed ears exclaimed herr dremmel and what pray have the ears of others to do with a reunited wedded couple she hoped a little hurriedly that rosa and the cook had been good to him rosa and the cook he cried what talk is this of rosa and the cook if you are not silent with your domesticities i will kiss you here and now in the middle of the open high-road she said she had never really thanked him for letting her go to zopat and be there so long too long little one he interrupted drawing her closer almost had i forgotten what a dear little wife i possess but i am going to make up for it all now she said and work harder than i've ever done in my life at making the good robert happy he said pinching her ear and doing things for the children dreadful to think of them all this time without me were they good good as fishes robert fishes they are well little one and happy that is enough about the children tell me rather about you how you filled up your days i walked i sailed i bathed i lay in the sun and i made resolutions excellent i shall await the results with interest i hope you'll like them i know they'll be very good for the children she had so earnest a face that he pulled it round by the chin and peered at it seen close she was almost prettiest full of delicacy and charm of soft fair skin and after examining her a moment with a pleased smile he stooped down and did after all kiss her she flushed and resisted what he said amused the little wife growing virginal again you've made my hat crooked she said putting up her hands to straighten it robert how are the fields i will not talk about the fields i will talk about you oh robert you know she said nervously i'm not really well yet i've still got to go on taking tiresome things that tonic you know the doctor there said i'm still anemic we will feed her on portions of the strongest ox so you mustn't mind if i if i i mind nothing if only i once more have my little wife at home said herr dremmel and when he helped her down onto the parsonage steps where stood robertlet and ditty in a stiff and proper row waiting motionless till their mother should have got near enough for them to present her with the nosegays they were hiding he kissed her again and again pinched her ear and praised god aloud that his widowerhood was over they had tea a meal that had long before been substituted for the heavier refreshment of coffee 
in a parlour filled with flowers by rosa and the cook the very cake baked for the occasion being strewn with them herr dremmel lounged on the sofa behind the table looking placidly content with one arm round his wife while robertlet and ditty awed by the splendours of the decorations for their mother's homecoming and their own best clothes and spotless bibs sat opposite being more completely good than ever from their side of the table they stared unflinchingly at the two people on the sofa at their comfortably reclining pleasant-looking father whom they knew so differently as a being almost hurriedly going somewhere else at their mother sitting up very straight with her veil pushed up over her nose pouring out tea and smiling at them and keeping on giving them more jam and more milk and more cake even after aware from their sensations that overflowing could not be far off they had informed her by anxious repetitions of the word sat which she did not seem to hear that they were already in a dangerous condition and they wondered dimly why when she poured out the tea her hand shook and made it spill i will now said herr dremmel when the meal was finished getting up and brushing crumbs out of the many folds that were characteristic of his clothes retire for a space into my laboratory he looked at ingeborg and smiled picture it he said the only solace i have now had for two months and a half has been in the bony arms of my laboratory i grow weary of them it is well to have one's little wife home again a man to do his work needs his life complete equipped in each of its directions his laboratory seems bony to him if he has not also a wife his wife would seem not bony enough if he had not also a laboratory bony and boneless bony and boneless it is the swing of the pendulum of the wise man's life and he bent over her and lifted her face up again by putting his finger under her chin is it not so little one he asked smilingly i suppose so said ingeborg suppose so he laughed and pulled an escaping tendril of her hair and went away in great contentment and immersed himself very happily in the saucers of new grain waiting to be weighed and counted it was a fine august afternoon and his windows were open for there was no wind to blow his papers about and he was pleased when he presently became aware out of the corner of an eye withdrawn an instant from its work that his wife had come out on to the path below and was walking up and down it in the way she used to before the acuter period of the sofa and the interest in life beyond the grave had set in he liked to see her there there was a grass bank sloping up from the path to beneath his windows and by standing on tiptoe on the top of this and stretching up an arm as far as it would go one was just able to tap against the glass he remembered how she used to do this when first they were married on very fine days to try and lure him out from his duties into dalliance with her among the lilacs it amused him to find himself almost inclined to hope she would do it now for it was long since there had been dalliance and he felt this was an occasion this restoration to normality on which some slight trifling in a garden would not be inappropriate but ingeborg though she loitered there nearly half an hour did not even look up she wandered up and down in the cool shade the house threw across the path in the afternoon her hat off apparently merely enjoying the beauty of a summer day bending towards its evening and presently he forgot her in the vivid interest of what he was doing 
so that it was the surprised expression of someone who has forgotten and is trying to recall that he looked at her when after a knock at the door which he had not heard he saw her come in and stand at the corner of his table waiting till he had done counting a process he conducted out loud to the end of the row of grains he was engaged upon his thoughts were still chiefly with them as he looked up at her when he had done and had written down the result but there was room in them also for a slight wonder that she should be there she had not penetrated into his laboratory for years she had been tamed after a period of recurring insurrections into respect for its sanctity but he did not mind being interrupted on this occasion on the contrary as soon as he had fully returned to consciousness he was pleased there was a large warmth pervading herr dremmel that afternoon which made him inclined not to mind anything well little one he said immediately she began to deliver what sounded like a speech he gazed at her in astonishment she appeared to be in a condition of extreme excitement she was addressing him rapidly in a trembling voice she was much flushed and was holding on to the edge of the table it was so sudden and so headlong that it was like nothing so much as the gushing forth of the long corked-up contents of an overfull bottle and he gazed at her in an astonishment that did not for some time permit him to gather the drift of what she was saying when he did she had already got to the word ruins ruins repeated herr dremmel ruins ruins it must stop it can't go on oh i saw it so clearly the last part of the time in zopat i suppose it was the sea wind blew me clear our existence robert our decently happy existence is a decently happy home with properly cared for children but interrupted herr dremmel raising his hand one moment what is it that must stop oh don't you see all that will be in ruins about us but in ruins robert all our happy life if i go on in this in this wild career of of unbridled motherhood herr dremmel stared unbridled he began then he repeated so deep was his astonishment wild career of ingeborg did you say unbridled motherhood yes said ingeborg pressing her hands together evidently extraordinarily agitated i learned that by heart at zopat on purpose to say to you i knew if i didn't directly i got into this room i'd forget everything i meant to say i know it sounds ridiculous the way i say it unbridled motherhood repeated herr dremmel but are you not a pastor's wife oh yes yes i know i know i know there's duty and providence but there's me too there is me too and robert won't you see we shall be happy again if i'm well we shall be two real people instead of just one person and a bit of one you and a battered thing on a sofa ingeborg you call a wife and a mother engaged in carrying out her obligations a battered thing on a sofa yes said ingeborg hurrying on to the principal sentence of those she had prepared at zopat and learned by heart desperately clutching at it before robert's questions had undermined her courage and befogged the issues yes and i've come to the conclusion after ripe meditation after ripe yes the production of the of the yes of the already extinct dead seemed an unkind word almost rude is wasteful and that and that oh robert she cried flinging out her hands and letting go all the rest of the things she had learned to say don't you think 
this persistent parenthood might end now he stared at her in utter amazement it it disagrees with me she said tears in her voice and in her anxious appealing eyes am i to under anyhow i can't go on she cried twisting her fingers about in an agony there's so little of me to go on with i'm getting stupider every day i've got no brains left i've got no anything why i can hardly get together enough courage to tell you this oh robert she appealed it isn't as though it made you really happier you don't really particularly notice the children when they're there it isn't as though it made anybody really happier and and i'm dreadfully sorry but i've done and she dropped on to the floor beside him and put her cheek against his sleeve and tried to make up by kissing it and clinging to it for her subversion of that strange tremendous combination of duty and providence that so bestrode her life if only you wouldn't mind she kept on saying but herr dremmel for the first time since he had known her was deeply offended deeply hurt she had pierced his armour at the one vulnerable spot his manhood was outraged his kindness his patience his affection were forgotten and spurned he looked down at the head against his arm with a face in which wounded pride wrath shockedness at so great a defiance of duty and the amazed aggrievement of him whose gifts and blessings are not wanted struggled together then as she still went on clinging and incoherently suggesting that he should not mind he rose up took her by the hand helped her to her feet and led her to the door and there after facing her a moment in silence with it opened in his hand while she stood blinking up at him with appealing eyes he said dreadfully evidently you do not and never have loved me chapter twenty three ingeborg crept away down the passage with the sound in her ears of the key being turned in the lock behind her she was crushed that robert should think she had never loved him that he should not even let her tell him how much she had and did she stared out of the little window at the foot of the stairs at the untidy vegetables in the garden this was the quality of life brussels sprouts and a door being locked behind one it was all grey and difficult and tragic she had hurt robert offended him he was in there thinking she didn't love him what he had said was peculiarly shattering coming from a mouth that had always been kind yet what was there to do but this the alternative it seemed was somebody's dying and if the children did live there would be the death of the spirit the decay of all lovely things in the home the darkening of all light there would be neglect apathy an utter running to seed but she felt guilty and conscience-stricken she was no longer sure she was right perhaps it was indeed her duty to go on perhaps she was indeed being wicked and cruel the clearness of vision that had been hers at zopat was blurred she was confused infinitely distressed yet through the distress and confusion there kept on jabbing something like a little spear of light and always it pointed in this one direction she stood leaning against the wall by the open window miserable mixture of doubt and conviction remorse and determination all her life she had been servile servile with the sudden rare tremendous insurrections that upheave certain natures brought up in servility swift tempests more devastating than the steady fighting of systematic rebels her insurrections were epic-making when they occurred 
the destiny of an entire family was changed fathers and husbands were not prepared for anything but continued acquiescence in one so constantly acquiescent as far as she was concerned they felt they might sleep peacefully in their beds then this obedient thing this pliable uncontradicting thing would return for instance from an illicit trip abroad betrothed to an unknown foreigner and somehow in spite of violent opposition marry him or as in this second volcanic upheaval with no preliminaries whatever refuse point-blank the final effect on herr dremmel's mind of her incoherence was a point-blankness to live with her husband as his wife behind the locked door his anger was as great as her distressed confusion outside it she was to be his wife but not his wife under his roof a perpetual irritation she had decreed this woman who had nothing to decree that there were to be no more dremmels the indignation of the thwarted ancestor was heavy upon him her moral obliquity shocked him her disregard for the give and take necessary if a civilized community is to continue efficient how was he going to work with that constant reminder about his house of his past placidities already it had begun the annoyance the hindering for there he was sitting in front of his samples making mistakes in weighing adding up wrong forced by humiliatingly different results each time to count the grains over and over again driven by the stress of the situation to unfairness he remembered with a kind of bitter affection those widows who had darkened his past so soothingly before his marriage the emotional peace their bony dustiness their bonneted dinginess had secured him they had been he perceived like a dark blind shading his eyes from the tormenting glare of too much domesticity the most infuriated of that black and blessed band had been better than this threatening excess of relationship no one had ever come between him and his steady reaching forward no one had even once caused him to count his grains twice over a man who wishes to work he told himself must clear his life of women of all women that is for there are certainly elementary actions connected with saucepans and bed-making that only women will do except widows a wife who is not a wife and who yet persists in looking as if she were one can be nothing but a goad and a burden for an honest man either she should look like someone used up and finished or she should continue to discharge her honourable functions until such time as she developed the physical unattractiveness that placed her definitely on the list of women one respects that ingeborg should choose the moment when she seemed younger and rounder than ever to revolt against duty and providence appeared to him in his first wrath deliberately malicious he was amazed he could not believe he was being called out of his important and serious work beckoned out of it just when it was going so well in order to be hurt in order to be made acquainted with pain and by her of all people in the world whom he used to call surely he had been kind his little sheep to be hit by one's sheep to be hit violently by it so that the blows actually shook one at the very moment of greatest affection for it of rejoicing over its return of plunging one's hands most confidently into the comfort of its wool herr dremmel was amazed he stayed in his laboratory in this condition till supper then during the meal he carefully read a book which he propped up in front of him against the loaf while ingeborg ministering to him with the eager deftness of the conscience-stricken 
watched for a sign of forgiveness out of the corners of red eyes he stayed after supper in his laboratory till past midnight still being amazed reduced indeed at last to walking up and down that calm temple of untiring attempts to nail down ultimate causes considering how best he could bring his wife to reason the business of bringing a woman to reason had always seemed to him quite the most extravagant way of wasting good time to have to discuss argue explain threaten adjure only in order to get back to the point from which nobody ought to have started was the silliest of all silly necessities again he fumed at the thought of an untractable undutiful wife about him and recognized the acute need to be clear of feminine childishness egotism unforeseeable resiliences if a man would work in his stirred stale it appeared altogether monstrous that the whole world should be blotted out the great wide world of magnificent opportunity and spacious interest even for a day even for an hour by the power to make him uncomfortable by the power to make him concentrate his brains on an irrelevant situation of one small woman he went to their room about half-past twelve determined to have no more of the nonsense he would bring her then and there by the shortest possible route to reason he would have it out even to the extent of severity and have done with it he was master and if she forced him to emphasize the fact he would carrying the lamp he went to their room with the firm footsteps of one who has ceased to be going to stand things but the room was empty it was as chillily empty of wifely traces as it had been since the beginning of june this is paltry thought herr dremmel feeling the offence was now so great as to have become ridiculous and determined to discover into what fastness she had withdrawn and fetch her out of it he went lamp in hand doggedly through the house looking for her beginning with the thorough patience of one accustomed to research in the kitchen where shy cockroaches peeped at him round the legs of tables examining the parlour stuffy with the exhaustion of an ended day penetrating into a room in which rosa and the cook reared themselves up in their beds to regard him with horror unspeakable and at last stumbling up the narrow staircase to where robertlet and ditty slept the sleep of the unvaryingly just here in a third small bed of the truckle type lay his defaulting wife her face to the wall her body composed into an excess of motionless ingeborg he called holding the lamp high over his head but she did not stir ingeborg he called again but never did woman sleep so soundly he walked across to the bed and bent over searching her face by the light of the lamp most of it was buried in the pillow but the one eye visible was tightly shut more immensely asleep than any eye he had ever seen the indifference that could sleep while her outraged husband was looking for her revolted him without making any further attempt to wake her he turned on his heel and slamming the door behind him went downstairs again that is thieves at last remarked ditty who had been expecting them for years brought out of her dreams good dreams by the noise of the door yes said robertlet also roused from dreams that did him credit we must now get under the clothes said ditty who had settled long ago what would be the right thing to do yes said robertlet you needn't said ingeborg out of the darkness they both started they had forgotten she was there it was only papa but the thought of papa coming up to their room and banging the door in the middle of the night filled them 
in its strangeness with an even greater uneasiness they would have preferred thieves and after some preliminary lying quiet and being good they one after the other withdrew as silently as possible beneath the comfort of the clothes where they waited in neat patience for the next thing papa might do until stifled but uncomplaining they once more fell asleep there followed some days of strain in the kokensee parsonage herr dremmel retired into an extremity of silence made no allusion to these regrettable incidents became at meals a mere figure behind a newspaper and at other times was not there at all he had decided that he would not waste his energies in anger at the earliest opportunity he would drive in to muck call on the doctor and after explaining the effect of zopat a place which was to have cured her on his wife request him how to prescribe a cure for the cure it was ingeborg's business to come to her husband and ask for forgiveness and he would give her these few days in which to do it if she did not he would know after consultation with the doctor what course to take whether of severity or whether setting aside his manhood it was not rather an occasion on which one ought to coax he was after all too humane to resort without medical sanction to scenes perhaps what she needed was only a corrective to zopat there was such a thing as excess of salubriousness having made up his mind he found himself calmer able to work again in the knowledge that in a few days he would be clear with the aid of the doctor as to what should be done and ingeborg had nothing to complain of except that he would not speak several times she tried to reopen the so hastily closed subject but got no further in the face of his monumental silence than but robert she took the children for outings in the forest and while they did not chatter merrily together and did not play at games she thought over all the ways that were really tactful of luring him to reasonable discussion she knew she had made a lamentable first appearance in the role of a retiring mother but how difficult it was when you felt overwhelmingly to talk objectively and then there were tears a woman cried and what a handicap that was before the first semicolon in any vital discourse with one's husband was reached one was dissolved in tears thought ingeborg ashamed and resentful and robert grew so calm and patient so disconcertingly calm and patient when faced by crying he sat there like some large god untouched by human distress waiting for the return of reason it is true he cried too sometimes but only about odd things like christmas eves and sons if they were sufficiently newborn things that came under the category surely of cheerful at most of cheerfully touching but he never cried about these great important issues these questions on which all one's happiness hung life would run more easily she thought if husbands and wives had the same taste in tears four days after her return home she asked him to forgive her it was at the end of supper and he had just removed his book from the supporting loaf and was getting up to go when she ran across to him with the quickness of despair and laid hold of him by both his sleeves and said forgive me he looked down at her with a gleam in his eye he would not have to go to muck after all do she begged robert do you know i love you i'm so miserable to have hurt you do let's be friends won't we friends echoed herr dremmel drawing back is that all you have to say to me oh do be friends i can't bear this ingeborg he said with a severity of disappointment 
pulling his sleeves out of her hands and going to the door have you then not yet discovered that a true husband and wife can never be friends oh but how dreadful said ingeborg dropping her hands by her side and staring after him as he went out toward the end of the week when her unassisted meditations continued to produce no suggestions of any use for removing the stain that undoubtedly rested on her she thought she would go in to Muck and seek the counsel of the doctor he had always been good to her kind and understanding she would go to him more in the spirit of one who goes to a priest than to a doctor and inquire of him earnestly what she should do to be saved she found the position at home unendurable if the doctor told her that it was her duty to go on having children and that it was mere chance the two last had been born dead she would resume her career it was a miserable career a terrible maimed thing but less miserable than doubt as to whether one were not being wicked and robert was being utterly right not for nothing was she the daughter of a bishop and had enjoyed for twenty-two years the privileges of a christian home also she well knew that the public opinion of kokensee and glambeck would be against her in this matter of rebellion and she felt too weak to stand up alone against these big things she had never been able to hold out long against prolonged disapproval nor had she ever been able to endure that people round her should not be happy by the end of the week she was so wretched and so full of doubts that she decided to put her trust in Muck and abide by the decision of its doctor and so it happened that she set out on the five-mile walk to it on the same day on which herr dremmel drove there he had driven off in the middle of the morning with sandwiches for himself and the coachman in the direction of the experiment ground telling her he would not be in till the evening so she seized the favourable opportunity and also armed with sandwiches started soon after twelve o'clock for Muck. the doctor's consulting hour was she knew from two to three and if she were there punctually at two she could talk to him have her fate decided and be home again by four she walked along the edge of the harvested rye-fields eating her sandwiches as she went and refusing to think for this brief hour and a half of the difficulties of life her mind was weary of them she would put them away from her for this one walk it was the brightest of august middays the world seemed filled with every element of happiness some people probably friends of the glambacks were shooting partridges over the stubble the lupin fields were in their full glory and their peculiar orange scent met her all along the way there was a mile of sandy track to be waded through and then came four good miles of hard white high road between reddening mountain ashes to Muck, walking in that clear fresh warmth so bright with colour so sweet with sense she could not but begin gradually to glow and by the time she arrived at the doctor's house however wan her spirits might be the rest of her was so rosy that the servant who opened the door tried to head her off from the waiting-room to the other end of the passage persuaded that what she had come for could not be the doctor but an animated call on the doctor's wife she entered the waiting-room a dingy place with much the effect of a shaft of light piercing through a fog and there sitting at the table turning over the fingered and aged piles of illustrated weeklies she found herr dremmel for a moment they stared at each other there was no one else there through folding doors 
could be heard the murmur of a patient consulting in the next room muck was not usually a sick place and nine times out of ten the doctor read his newspaper undisturbed from two to three this was the tenth time and though it had only just struck two a patient was with him already end of section ten